You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. We would love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and email us your story at amen at hungrygen.com. Also, if you're interested in supporting Hungry Gen Ministries, you can donate online at our website, www.hungrygen.com, or visit our Hungry Gen app. Thanks for your support. Everything that happens here is a very hard act to follow. Wow. Uh, it's, it's like sitting down at the greatest buffet, eating all you want, and then they bring out more. I'm the more. <laughs> this has been incredible. You know, I, I'm enjoying ministering to you, but I'm also enjoying watching you and observing what is going on here. You know, I, I've written 35 books. I'm a writer. I'm a researcher. I, I'm always analyzing things, trying to figure things out. And I'm trying to see where you people fit. Now, I've been in the ministry longer than most of these guys down here have been living. I hate to admit that, but that's true. So I've seen it all. I've ministered in more than 100 countries. I've spoken in every kind of church, Catholic, Protestant, Presbyterian, Mennonite, Nazarene, few Pentecostal churches, and a lot of Baptist churches. I've sort of seen it all, and I still can't figure out where you fit. <laughs> you know, I've seen the old-time Pentecostals. I've seen the uh, nouveau charismatics I've you know I've seen the hard shell fundamentalist Baptists I've seen the liberal Baptists who smoke a cigarette in the front steps of the church I mean I've seen it all good Catholics bad Catholics etc but what you have here is truly unique it's it's a mixture it's a blend it's uh it's a little bit of old-time Pentecostalism without some of the more inane eccentricities. It's a little bit charismatic, but not weird like some are. It's a whole lot of Ukrainian. But it's its own thing. And I'm, I'm so struck by the uniqueness of what God is doing here with Hungry Generation. Weird name, but it's, it's a great thing that God is doing. <laughs> it's just an odd name, you know, like Hungry for you. I bless you. I'm excited to see what God is doing for you here. I'm just, I say again, I'm so honored to be part of it, so inspired to be part of it. And I'm overwhelmed with the immensity of the talent that you have. This band, you know, I've heard Great praise bands all over the world. This is absolutely one of the best. These guys are great. These ladies are great. And, um, yeah, I, I've been lots of things in my life. I really haven't talked about my life and the trajectory of all the things that I've done. I, 
I started out at university, uh, I had my own rock band, and I was planning on being a doctor, which my daughter now has picked up that legacy, but I was a pre-med student, and um, from there got involved in motivational speaking, uh, did a little bit of evangelism. Actually, I wrote and produced five gospel music albums. Um, I'm a guitar player, had my own band. In fact, <laughs> it's a good thing when I had my rock and roll band, I didn't have a drummer that good or I might not be preaching to you today. <laughs> wow. You know, an interesting story. I, I don't know if I've even told Bryn this. I just as an aside, the drummer in my band um, eventually joined the Air Force. He was a great guy. We were very close friends growing up. And I didn't know the Lord at the time. I didn't find the Lord until my 20s. And he came home on leave on one occasion. And we all got together, all the band members and friends. And we're having a party. Somebody brought out a Ouija board. And my drummer started playing a Ouija board. This thing, he was in the Air Force, spelled out the plane that he was going to be flying when he died. So he, he finished that furlough, went back to Vietnam, and a couple of weeks later he was dead. That plane went down, shot by the Viet Cong. That was a little bit of a wake-up call to me and one of many things along the way that eventually brought me to the Lord. But I, earlier in my reference point, talking about you folks, I'm just so impressed with what I saw. And I tell you what, mom and dad, you did really good. You did really good. To see these fine young men up here with such energetic zeal for the Lord. You don't do so bad yourself, you know. You would, wow, man, this guy, whoo. And, and it wasn't just the energy you all had, it's what you said. You had depth and content, especially you, everything you said. Just a question. How do you, how do you get the boys? Because I got three girls and just gave up. No, never mind. <laughs> So it's been a great time that we've had here, and we bless the Lord. We're going to share some things with you this morning that uh, I think will be very interesting and unique. Uh, do a favor with me, for me, if you would, please, just before I start, if you would take out your cell phone and turn it on. On. I say that in my seminars, and people look at me like, no, 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 you mean off. No, I mean on. I'm going to turn it on for a minute. We're going to text. Among the many things that I do is I send out a weekly blog. And I write on some pretty interesting stuff, stuff that you're not going to hear about anywhere else. A lot of stuff about spiritual warfare, some interesting insights, some controversial stuff, almost always controversial. And I want you to get my blog. So there's a real simple way to do it. Go into texting mode, if you would, please. I sort of think you all know what texting mode is. We're not going to Snapchat. We'll go to text. So go to text and put in a number. 
you are going to text to a number, and that number is 22828. Got it? 22828. Now, you're going to send a message to that number, 22828. The message is, y'all got the number in? Ready for the message? The message is Bob. For the mentally impaired, I'm going to spell that backwards. <laughs> or do I need to? So type in Bob, hit send. You're going to get a message right away. Unless you've got slow internet in the Tri-Cities. Who's got the message? Who's got the message? Right up front here, so I don't have to run anywhere. Ah, this beautiful young lady, the bride of six years. Come up here, if you would, please. And what does that message say? Hello, please reply with your email address to receive Bob's blog. So if you just stick your email, email address in there, hit send, boom, it's all done. Monday morning you get my blog. Cool. Got a lot of interesting stuff I'm going to be sharing. So put your email address in, hit send. You'll get my blog Monday and thereafter, as long as you want to, please turn off your cell phone, put it away. We're going to get started, okay? Now, we're almost out of the books, but we do have a few left over out there, so stop by on your way out and uh, take advantage of the last-minute opportunity. We still have some copies, I think, of my daughter's book, The Dark Side of the Supernatural. Got to get that. Also, the Jezebel book. You know, there's so much to be said about this Jezebel spirit, and a couple of things about that deliverance last night that I found kind of interesting. First of all, I didn't have a chance to teach uh, as much as I wanted to from the uh, curse-breaking book. Uh, I think we still have a few copies in Spanish, but one of the things I teach in that book is how important it is in breaking curses to be as specific as you possibly can. And if you watch me on our YouTube channel, you will see I'm always trying to nail down not just that there is a curse, but what is that curse, how many generations it goes back, and what was the root of that curse? So uh, with this lovely young lady last night, that's what I was pushing to find. And when you encounter an evil spirit and they're evasive, you know you're on to something. So last night, you know, I don't remember the exact words, but the spirit was saying something to the effect of, well, it was a long time, or, or I don't know. Give me a break. Come on, the demons know. They know exactly where they started to get control of the bloodline of this individual family. So we pushed and pushed and pushed. So that is a weakening process. And I'm just sharing this because I know a lot of you, you don't understand, well, why does he do what he do? Why do he do that? Is that really important? Yeah, that's really important. You won't always find it, but when you can, find out how far back the curse goes and what happened. Why? Because whatever the circumstances were, that's the thing you want to break, to put under the blood of Christ and remove. And once you remove that, then you should be able to proceed with the deliverance. Now, something else that, that was very interesting about this lovely young lady, and she is a lovely young lady. Stand up. She's beautiful, isn't she? You know? And, you know, for her to struggle with relationships, it's like, how stupid are the guys in the Tri-Cities anyway, you know? But 
You know what? When you've got a Jezebel spirit and a demon that's interfering with relationships, you could be the hottest thing in the city. Nobody's going to look your way because Jezebel wants to isolate. I have a section in my book on Jezebel where I talk about uh, one of the primary characteristics of the spirit is isolation. Jezebel wants you for herself. She doesn't want anybody else to have you. She doesn't want you in any relationships. So last night, as we proceeded in that deliverance, I was, I'm just always watching things very carefully and analyzing what's going on. Now, that demon seemed to be getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And it was. But I knew there was more where that came from. And sometimes demons will try to trick you. Trick you. And they'll try to appear as though they're just getting so weak and then you, you think you've cast them out. But sometimes you watch me on YouTube and you'll see me say, get up, come on, get up completely. And I taunt them, but I push them. Why am I doing that? Because I want all of that spirit at the fullest of its capacity to leave in that moment of expulsion. And if you don't get all of it up, some of it could stay behind. So that's what Jezebel was trying to do last night. It was trying to play, oh, I'm tired, I'm weak, okay, I'm going to go. And I just kept pushing, come on, Jezebel, you got more there. Come on, I want to see your power. Come on, show it to me. And then the Lord showed me there was a spirit of murder. Well, I knew there was something else there. And then you saw, finally, Jezebel made one last violent push to hang on. So... In the future, whenever you watch me on YouTube or you see anything on the internet about how we're doing exorcisms, just watch and analyze. Don't just look and say, well, that's cool. No, analyze what I'm doing. Analyze how the spirits are responding because there are lessons in there for your life. Maybe not about demonization, but about how the kingdom of darkness operates. And that's what we try to do is to teach people those processes. Bryn, come up here for a moment. I want to give you a chance to say one last final farewell. Give my daughter Bryn a hand, would you please? <clears throat> just as I know you must be just enormously proud of these fine young men up here and what they represent and will you should be. It is a tough job being a parent, isn't it? Ain't easy. And, and to raise godly children is even tougher. And I know there's been many, many proud moments in your life as you've watched these young men, and obviously I've had many proud moments watching Bryn. I, I think, Bryn, one moment that will stick out in my mind forever is when the Lord first brought you and your friends to a place of national prominence through the media and all the major television shows started contacting you and there was all this buzz about what they wanted to do. And um, we were working on a reality show possibility at that moment and the lady who was wanting to produce this reality show with Bryn came to our home and did an interview. Now this is not just any woman. She's Jewish, which, which means there was, you know, not a full understanding of Christian faith. I just recently was in Hollywood and met with this woman and spent some time talking with her. She now is the head of the entertainment division of the Fox Network. She is a heavy hitter, as we say in the industry. She really knows her job. 
And I remember sitting there with Lisa. And here's this Hollywood heavy hitter. Her husband's a major producer in Hollywood, produces some of the most famous shows that you've all seen. And here she is, and she's sitting there, and the television lights on her, and she's doing a major interview for the media with Brynn. Brynn is a 16-year-old girl just sitting there. This is a seasoned, hard-nosed uh, Hollywood type who's staring her down. Brynn, I've never had a prouder moment. I've never had a prouder moment. A heavy-hitting Jewish Hollywood producer sitting in front of my daughter and grilling her about who she is and what she does, capturing it all on camera. And that 16-year-old held her ground. She smiled into that camera they asked her about her faith, why she did what she did, what she believed. Every answer was crisp, clean, articulate, to the point, and there wasn't the slightest hesitation about where she stood and her faith for Jesus Christ. And Bren, I remember sitting there. Actually, they shot it in our bedroom because it was the best place to shoot, and Mom and I were sitting over there in the bed, and I turned to... I turned to your mom, <laughs> I turned to Laura and I said, can you believe what we're seeing? This is our baby. This is our girl. Look at her. Look at her. Listen to what she's saying. Bren, that was only possible by the Holy Spirit, only possible by the anointing the Lord has given you. And thank you. I know I'm your dad, but thank you for walking the tough road going to the hard places. Okay, dad's going to cry, but... But doing what so few young people would be willing to do, setting an example for the world and for many young people here to be faithful, to be true, to do what God's called you to do, and don't pull any punches. I'm proud of you, kid. Just take a moment and say what's on your heart. Oh, it's been an amazing weekend, and I think we've all seen some amazing miracles, right? Come on, have we seen some amazing miracles? And as we've seen how the devil works and how God in his grace has stepped out to save us, I just, I wanted to challenge you and to leave you with one final thought. And that is to guard your hearts and your minds. We've seen how the devil tries to just even just get a foot in the door of our hearts. Because he knows that out of our hearts and our minds, that springs our actions. And how we act and treat people. And, um, you know, I was sitting there and I, I'm sure you've all heard this Bible verse. But uh, Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. And so I want to challenge you in your life with the books that you read, 
the movies that you watch, the video games that you play, how you spend your Friday and Saturday nights, the people that you hang out with. I want to encourage you do things that are praiseworthy and pure and honest and trustworthy. Do things that will glorify the Lord. Are the books, are all the books that you're reading really glorifying to the Lord? What kind of message is hidden behind that? What could the devil be trying to sneak into your mind to try and pollute what God has done for you? What about all the movies that you're watching? Can you honestly tell me that there isn't some questionable material in there that the devil could use to try and just get in your mind? It could be so subtle you don't even realize it. But before you know it, you're making concessions in your faith that you never thought were possible. And so I just want to encourage you to be wise you know, the Bible tells us to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves and to really consider what you let into your heart. And so the last um, Bible verse I'd love to leave you with is um, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart for everything that you do flows from it. Thank you. I want to reference a couple of things from several of my books. Our ministry is a teaching ministry primarily. I feel that's my greatest spiritual gift that God has called me to exercise on his behalf. It's why we write. And so by references to these books, I can quote from you what I've already said, but it puts it very succinctly so I can get the point across to you. I hope you all get a copy of this book. There's a section in this book on page 55, if any of you haven't want to follow along with me, called Hindsight Bias. Now I want to give one more final plug for our International School of Exorcism. Our online, in your hands, 24 hours a day training school with the highest level of knowledge about deliverance and spiritual warfare you will literally find on the planet. And you won't find it in any of our books. You were handed a flyer. If God lays it upon your heart to do that, join this mighty army of highly trained individuals that are being raised up. Pastor Vlad's been through our school. I still didn't give that uh, testimony from you yet. Consider making that investment today. It'll be one of the most important investments you ever make. Now, when I'm teaching here, I, I don't do a lot of theology, don't do a lot of Bible quoting verses and all that sort of thing because I'm not in preaching mode, I'm in teaching mode. You can get all of that in our books, you can get all of that in our School of Exorcism. But what I want to do here, and I've tried to accomplish that in these few sessions, is just give you some very practical things to think about. And one of these is an interesting insight that the Lord gave me through the reading of a book, which I'm going to reference. Page 55. There's a heading that says, Hindsight Bias. I'm indebted to author Joseph T. Hellenden for his book, Why We Make Mistakes. The book is primarily an exploration of the human condition of error, even with the best of intentions and meticulousness in avoiding it. In the section of his book called, Hindsight Isn't 2020, Hellenden points out that Hindsight bias is a constant source of human error. In essence, 
the author believes that the outcome of individuals' lives has a strong influence on how they see the past. Let me repeat that. How your life turns out influences how you see the past. That's an interesting psychological construct. So let me explain where that fits in to deliverance. Many times in the personal sessions when people sit down with me, I ask them, what was your family like? How were you raised? Give me that context. And oftentimes they say to me, it was great. Everything was fine, wonderful. I had a great home, wonderful parents, etc." But when I push them a little further, I find out that in fact, their young years were not very good. And I push them and I find out that some of them have been emotionally and physically abused, neglected, spiritually abandoned, very little investment of their parents into the esteem of their lives. But then they will say to me something like, but you know, I get along great with my dad now. Did he beat you when you were a kid? Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he, but I had it coming. You ever bruise it? Yeah, once in a while, yeah. Did they ever say they loved you? No, no, but they do now. You get my point? This is what the author is saying. So let's say you, you had a bit of a dysfunctional home. Well, maybe your parents did mellow with age. Maybe later in life they did figure out some things and maybe even made corrections. Maybe they were Christians and got saved. Great. But don't have hindsight bias. Don't bias your viewpoint of how spiritually vulnerable you were as a child by how well things may be now. Now, for some of you, it's not much better. It only got worse. But for some of you, it did get better. And here's the problem. The doors to the devil were open when you were a young person by what you experienced at that time. And here's how clever Satan is. If you were verbally or emotionally abused as a child by your parents, that opened a very big door to the devil. Your parents are to be your protector. They are the spiritual covering of your life. When they abdicate that responsibility, they open the door to the devil. And demons come in. Spirits begin to oppress and attack you. But later on, maybe you patch things up. Maybe it got better. And you don't understand, because you're biased by the situation now, why you need to go back and break the curses and deal with the relationship to your parents based on what happened then. And the key is this. In this example where things are going better now, I often say to the person, did you ever confront your parents about how they, how they treated you as a child? They say, well, no, there's no need to. We're doing great now. Oh, yes, there is a need. You've got to break that curse. You've got to break that bondage. Now, we haven't even talked about this here, but many of you know one of the primary teachings we have is in regards to dissociative identity disorder or multiple personalities and how people fragment into different personality identities. You can see me do this on YouTube. So as a child, 
You might have been so abused that you actually dissociated and formed a child personality holding on to bitterness and anger because of how your parents treated you then. Now, that may not be how life is for you now, but stuck inside your head, there might be a six-year-old child who is angry and bitter at the hurt and the pain of the rejection of a father who paid no attention to you, never gave you a hug, never said that he loved you, never motivated your esteem in any way. So in deliverance, what we encourage people to do is go back, pass beyond the hindsight bias, and get to the place where you were then. That's where the inner healing is needed. Now, there's another section of the book that's rather interesting. I'd love to have all day just to keep teaching you, but I've got to condense this into a couple of important thoughts. On page 63, I have a heading called Cracking the Genetic Code of Curses. This is fascinating. In spite of the testimony of church history and theology, plus the witness of thousands of ministers of deliverance, the concept of generational curses still meets resistance from mainstream American evangelicalism. I don't know how many of you know how special this was here this morning, and some of the things especially that he was saying, and others of you were saying, talking about family and generational curses. I just need to clue you in, especially young people, this is the only church you've ever known, 95% plus of American Christianity doesn't believe that. And they're bound, and they don't even know they're bound. You're in a special place that believes it and helps you get free from us. Celebrate it. Let me read on. In other parts of the world, such as Africa, this idea of generational curses is more or less accepted. Cultures which are but a few generations removed from idolatrous practices recognize that bloodline carries powerful proclivities toward evil that are spiritually embedded and must be removed. Next paragraph, listen carefully. Epigenetics, might want to Google that later. Don't do it now, listen. But it's an interesting new neurological science that's developed. Epigenetics is a new study of how the factors of one's environment can actually change a person's DNA. And these alterations can be inherited. In August 2015, the journal Biological Psychiatry published a study of Holocaust victims, survivors, and their children. According to the study, high stress releases hormones and continued exposure to these hormones eventually reduces an individual's ability to handle trauma. The hormones turn off certain genes that would normally handle the stress. In other words, the effect of severe trauma has a powerful effect on a server's actual DNA. Now, I go into this in more details, but here's the basic gist of what I'm saying. And I cite the research. Those of us 
who have been teaching for years the importance of breaking generational curses now have science on our side. And the rest of the evangelical Christians out there who say it ain't so don't have science on their side. And they better wake up. Because now what they're discovering is that when there is trauma, it actually goes down to the genome level. It goes down and changes the structure of the DNA so that you can actually inherit the trauma of your parents and their parents and your ancestors. This is what a generational curse is. In part, it's the inheritance of the effect of that trauma. And until you break that curse, until you receive healing from Christ, it will be there because psychology has no cure for this. And they studied this by testing Holocaust survivors and their ability to handle stress. And they found out that their descendants also have the same issue. Never having been through the Holocaust. How does that happen? I remember one time a demon saying to me, he said, you Christians are so stupid. You humans are so stupid. This demon looked at me, very powerful mind control spirit. He said, we can change the genes of a person. We go down to the molecular and the subatomic level to do our evil. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? And this was a very strong, powerful demon. He said, you, you humans are stupid. You don't know what we're capable of doing. He said, we can change a person's sexual identity. We can change everything a person thinks about life because we control the genes. Hmm. And it's interesting, if you know your science, that it was a monk who discovered this whole aspect of genetics. Well, now we understand this, but what are we doing to fight back? Unfortunately, too many in the church are going their blissful way, just ignoring generational curses. But this is what I, I need you to understand. Some of that junk that you're carrying around in your life is down to the genetic level. It's hard to fight it. It's hard to go against it. Psychology can help. Therapy can help. Counseling can help. But it can't do what the Holy Ghost can do to go down and heal and restructure DNA and make you the person God intended you to be. Good stuff, huh? All right, I want to touch on one more thing in my book. And uh, let me see what page you want to go to here. Ah, page 165. Again, there's just so much here. But a couple of thoughts to leave you with. First of all, hindsight bias. Don't judge the past by now. Don't judge the damage the devil did to you at a deep emotional level of your psyche and your soul when you were younger by the fact that 
you may have worked through some of that stuff, which is another way of saying everybody needs inner healing, everybody needs deliverance, everybody needs prayers that go back and wipe out all that the devil has done to you so you are truly born again. There is more to that than most Baptists and Pentecostals have ever imagined. I mean, really reborn down to the genetic, down to the cellular, down to the subatomic level, being born again. All right, page 165. I have a section here in PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. The majority of people who are demonized have PTSD. It comes with a territory. What do you think a demon's going to do to you? It's going to give you stress disorder. Perhaps the worst thing a victim of trauma can do, listen to me carefully, this applies to almost everybody here. The worst thing you can do when you've had trauma is to hide it away and suffer in silence. Here's why. The fight or flight response to severe trauma can be mitigated by talk therapy or the friendship of a kind listener who helps the suffering individual process pain and put it into perspective. When there has been some kind of healthy emotional outlet for trauma to be expressed, then something called, and listen to this, fear extinction takes over. The high level of adrenaline-rushed terror will subside. When there's no one to talk to or no way to escape repeated trauma, PTSD results. In fact, the study behind this was done at the University of Washington. In cases where people allowed to vividly recall their terrifying experiences, talk through them, Less than half of them went on to develop PTSD as of three months afterwards, University of Washington. So here's what it's saying. When you go through a trauma, talk about it. Get help. And what they discovered is if you do it immediately, in about 90 days, the effect of it will basically dissipate. But the majority of the people who have been traumatized through sexual, physical, emotional abuse and all these types of things, which is why I applaud so much these ladies yesterday putting the emphasis on human trafficking because this is what we're talking about. When it's not processed, when there's no one to talk to, no way to get it out, you don't get over it. It permanently damages your identity. Now, the best place to get it out, to talk about it, ought to be the church. Amen? Ought to be the body of Christ. So number one, you need a church. You need to stay in fellowship. You need to be in community. I love these young people. You can tell they are just, they're knitted together in Christ up here. And, and, I, and all the young people I've met in the internships and others, I mean, they're, they're a group, you know? They love one another. They care about one another. That's what the body of Christ needs. That's real, genuine, organic Christianity. Amen? We're losing that today. We're losing that today in the church. It's all about the show. It's all about the egocentric songs. It's all about how good I feel when I go there, whether I got a thrill. 
It's not about community. I want to tell you the most important thing about the church is community. It is fellowship. It is connection. It is accountability to one another. It is the body of Christ. That's what it's about. Don't lose it. So here's the deal. The way people ought to be able to process their pain is to be able to have a Christian brother or sister in the Lord or a godly Christian counselor or some mature Christian adult who's been there, done that, seen it all, and they're strong in the Lord to talk to. Find that person. In spite of all my exhortations, in spite of all I know Pastor Vlad has taught you, there are still people in this room who hold pain inside and you've never talked about it. You've never told anyone. Right, Katrina? And the reason she got free last night was because she went back to her trauma and her pain. I understood what it was. She couldn't even verbalize it. It was so painful, wasn't it? But last night, her deliverance and healing came because she went back there. She acknowledged what had happened. She let it out, and Jezebel lost her hold. Satan will keep a hold in your life as long as you keep hold of the pain inside. Go to your pastor. Find a mature Christian believer. Find a godly friend you can tell it to. Start the process of healing. You may need professional therapy. You may need counseling, depending on the level of egregiousness of the trauma and how deeply embedded it is. You might need medication. You might need a lot of things. You're certainly going to need prayer and deliverance at some point. But open that door. And I'm talking right now to people in this room who like this wonderful young woman, Katrina, just never opened that door to let the sun shine in. Never talked about it. I challenge you today, do it. You know, if you go to my YouTube site, you will find an exorcism there that I did on an 89-year-old woman in a wheelchair. I don't know how many of you have seen that. They wheel this woman into the room. She's tethered to an oxygen tank. And she says, I want deliverance. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do for an 89-year-old woman? And I said, so why are you here? And she said, 89, 89, get it? Something happened when I was five and I've never told anybody. I was molested. And before I'm dead, I've got to tell somebody. I picked up my cross and I looked at her and I said, Jezebel, I know you're there. And I thought that lady was going to fly out of that wheelchair. She came in and said, what do you want? I've had her for 85 years and you're not getting her. 80, 
five years, this dear lady suffered needlessly. When are we in the church going to recognize we're all wounded, we're all broken. Without Jesus, we're a screwed up mess. We are worth nothing. We're in bad shape. We need Jesus. We need to talk. We need to be healed. We need to be delivered. We all need it. So I want you to think for a moment about your pain. I want you to think about what maybe you've never told anyone. And don't play this trick. Oh, it wasn't all that important. I know dad never came to anything I did at school. I know mom always told me that I'd probably never mount anything. But, you know, that's, that's 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Who cares now? You know, I love Jesus today. I'm all right. No, you're not. You're never all right until you get healed and delivered. Until Jesus does a deep work of grace in your life. You're never going to be all right. It's always going to be there. It's always going to rear its head. It's always going to hold you back to some measure. Don't you really want to be free? I mean really free. Totally free. And really experience all that God has for you. So I want you to think about it for a moment. And I never did finish up with Jezebel last night. Now, we got some of these books back there. Boy, I don't want to take them back with me. You need to get them. And I'm going to turn to the back of this book. And I'm going to read to you a portion of a prayer I have to confront Jezebel. Now, I could stand up here and ad lib it, but, you know, I, the Lord helped me to do such a great job of putting it down in print. I'm just going to read it. And once again, some, some of you have something inside that's not going to like this. Make my day. So think about that pain. Think about that hurt. Think about that thing you've never told anyone. While I read this prayer. In the name of Jesus, and by the blood of Christ, I boldly confront the spirit of Jezebel. According to Ecclesiastes 4.12, I bind together with a threefold cord all evil spirits which are part of this kingdom of Jezebel. I resist you, Jezebel, by the power of Christ. He who was crucified and rose again from the dead. Obey him, you spirit of domination, treachery, illness, sickness, Derangement, prevarication, deceit, lewdness, corruption, slaughter, suicide, coveting, cupidity, destitution, penury, indigence, divination, and the occult. The wrath of God awaits you. And all your kind, including Baal, Bollock, lust, death, witchcraft, mammon, and Lucifer. That's the crowd Jezebel keeps. Fear 
and obey Christ who was crucified for sin and triumphed over all the powers of hell. You, Jezebel, along with all your evil angels, have been cast from the heights of heaven, and by the grace of God's Lamb, you will be cast down to the depths of the abyss. I resist you by the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ and expel you from every province of my spirit, body, and soul according to the command of my Savior who promised that those who believe in him would trample on serpents and scorpions. Despite my unworthiness in the flesh, I confront you in the spirit of him who dwells in me. He who walked on water Calm the waves, open blind eyes, heal sick bodies, and call forth the dead from the grave. You, Jezebel, are nothing in his sight. Merely an instigator of evil, vice, pain, and sorrow. Take that, Jezebel. You know, we're always in for a good time when I pick up the cross. We're going to do some healing right now before I say goodbye to you. Close your eyes for a minute. Push back the, from the hindsight bias to the place where the deepest hurt is in your life. Stop redefining it. Stop making excuses for it. Stop saying it wasn't so bad. Stop saying it's over with. It's done. It's in the past. Just face it. Now, if you've already been healed and delivered, it's no big deal. Jesus has already fixed it. Great. But if he hasn't and you haven't allowed him to go there, this is the time to do it. Where is that pain? Feel it for a moment. Not the way you see it retrospectively, but how it was then. The depth of the hurt and the anger and the bitterness that filled you as a result. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. This is your moment to be healed. It's your moment to be set free. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hungry Generation. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat by using at HungryGen. Stay blessed, and we'll see you next week.